This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland, and today my guest is Morena Barelli, an accomplished Latin American actor who is making her U.S. debut in the new Disney Plus series, Ultraviolet and the Black Scorpion. The comedy follows an everyday Mexican-American teenager who is chosen by a magical luchador mask that transforms her into Ultraviolet, a superhero fighting crime. She eventually teams up with another superhero, the Black Scorpion. Here's part of the trailer for Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion. You're a Black Scorpion. You have a mask? I have to train you. Can they go fight crime now? I'm going to be fighting crime with none other than the city's best vigilante superhero, Black Scorpion. So cool. Why do you call it? I call it a weapon of devastating potency to rid the city of scum. How about Scorpion Sting? That would make a sick hashtag. I'm not doing this for hashtags. Observe. Ultraviolet! You're not ready! So we're talking about Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion. Uh, I've only seen the trailer, so can you help set up what the show's about and who you play? Our show, Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion, um, revolves around a family, the Rodriguez family, um, and the Rodriguez family has a mom and a dad and, and a son and a daughter. The daughter, played by Scarlett Estevez, um, is this girl that receives one day these superpowers. She doesn't really understand why and why her and, and, and what to do with so much, you know, under her belt now. And um, she's faster than anything. And she tries to keep this identity, this new identity, hidden away from her parents and everybody else. However, she has a best friend called Maya, who she, you know, confesses immediately what she just received. And um, and she decides that she wants to have a mentor and that she needs, uh, well, she doesn't say that. She's like, I need a partner in crime. And we, that's where we meet Black Scorpion, which is beautiful. They create a beautiful relationship and it's even more beautiful when we find out who he really is. You know who's Ooh, behind that mask mystery. so i would say yeah it's a mystery that gets kind of resolved kind of quickly in the game but um so i would say it's a family comedy uh within a superhero context there's a lot of superhero shows and movies out there and a lot of good ones um what what to you makes this show different or stand out from from the others well it's a latinx family and we have never seen a Latinx family like this within a superhero context uh, on TV yet. Also, the fact that we are from Mexico, it's not the most important part of the show. It's, it doesn't have anything to do with the plot. And it just happens that we are Latinx. And I think that's, that's wonderful. We are telling story about, we're telling a story about a family that just happens to have this background but has exactly the same problems as the majority of people and struggles with 
pretty similar stuff. So we have the Latinx kind of context, which is shown to be absolutely universal. So I think that's pretty special. And our superhero is a girl. Um, our main character is a female. Um, I am the mother of, of that character who also, it's not only like the head of the family, she's like definitely the person in the house who has the last say, but also she's the principal of the school that her daughter goes to. So we're telling a story about women, Latinx women who are in really positions of power. Um, which is not very common to watch. I, I would agree. And I, th I think that was something I, I caught right away and how it's just part of the reality. It's not, at least from the trailer, it doesn't seem like it's played up to pander, so to speak. But because of that, there's a lot of fun things that can happen. I, I want to go back to the part though. So you're the mom and in the show, uh, you don't know about your daughter's superpowers. And in real life, you're a mom. And I'm wondering if your daughter got superpowers, would you want to know that she had them or not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm one of those moments that want to know everything. And I know that some of the stuff that I will hear, I probably won't like, but I rather know. I rather know. And definitely a superpower out there is something that I would love to know. And my character, Nina, could swear she knows everything about, you know, what's going on in her daughter's life. And I think that's something that we all moms think we do. I mean, my daughter is only three. So right now I do know everything. I better. It would probably be pretty hard for her to hide superpowers at that age. Yeah, it would be it'd be hard if I if I would not stop. It would be strange. But but I think eventually it's going to get to a point where I would think I know everything, but I probably won't. And you mentioned our um, uh, part of Nina as well as she's the principal of uh, a middle school. And I'm wondering, did you draw any inspiration from principals of school that you attended? I kind of drew her personality based on a few moms that I do know exist. You know, um, her personality is very overpowering. She's very, you know, on top of everything. And she's a helicopter mom. She's an incredible, um, you know, she's an incredibly hardworking woman. She has extremely high standards. And although she knows that maybe, you know, that every kid has his own way of doing things. There is something behind her that is like, you can, you can achieve perfection. You can do it. You know, she's that kind of person. And although she tries to be easy at home, she's, you know, she can hide that kind of, you know, very high expectations kind of mom. And that's why she's such a great principal. And that's where the conflict comes as well, because you can, you know, you can't expect your children to be, all perfect all the time constantly so yeah I had I had great inspiration for this character <laughs> sounds like it and I'm glad you didn't name anyone's names so you don't want to feel bad for oh, this. No. <laughs> well <laughs> and a, a, like part of the spark for ultraviolet getting her powers and we see this in the trailer is there's a magical luchador mask and I know you have spent some time in Mexico City um, which is kind of like a home for Lucha Libre. I wonder if you could explain how much Lucha Libre is a part of the culture there and why do you think it's significant that she's getting her power from a luchador mask? Well, it's culturally a gift, right? For Mexico, luchadors have been a very intimate part of 
of of the culture and it's a it's a celebration and it's something that everybody in Mexico knows um has knowledge of and it's been sort of like yeah it's it's a part it's a it's an inner part of who Mexicans are in so many ways so the fact that she gets the powers from a luchador mask You'll find out later why it is a luchador mask, but basically there is a cultural reference that it's so poignant and so precise that um, immediately takes you to Mexico, right? Immediately takes you to like the background, immediately takes you to, um, to a culture that is very much alive within this Mexican family. So, so yeah, it's very important that it doesn't come from anybody else but a luchador mask. I know I see that, and it's really kind of the even the little teases of the how it works in the trailer seems pretty cool. Um, now you've also worked quite a bit in theater, film, and TV, uh, like in many cities, especially like London, Mexico City. And I'm wondering what's it like going from working on shows or or films there to working on a show for Disney. To be honest, um, we filmed in New Orleans. You know, Disney hires a production company and they do everything in New Orleans, kind of like in the name of Disney. And um, what I am absolutely grateful to Disney for is the showrunners that they pick for this show are absolutely incredible, massively talented, compassionate, funny as hell, like the best. So if working for Disney means having those showrunners, I am loving it. Uh, but apart from that, honestly, it's very similar. I mean, COVID has made things different. That is something that is a fact. Filming under the, you know, the umbrella of COVID has been, I mean, it's, it's, it takes away some of the freedom, you know, on set and some of the fun on set. But um, we managed to create like a little bubble. And after, imagine, seven months filming. Wow, that is a long time. Yeah, we created like our little family and it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. The fact that we as an ensemble group are so together. There is a there is a chemistry that we developed, maybe because of the amount of months or maybe because the show has been picked for so long and we've been kind of in this ride for so long. Um, I don't know why, but we as a family and as a cast are really tight. And there was always, always a beautiful vibe on set, no matter how tired we were, no matter how many months, no matter how much COVID, no matter how the hurricane, no matter anything, I feel like there is a sense of fam, you know, like a family and belonging within the cast that you'll be able to see immediately in, in camera. Like there is some, you know, some stuff like the camera just picks on. And that's one of the things that it did. And and it is really beautiful to watch because it really does feel like a family. It does feel like these people love and know each other really well. I should say, this is not about New Orleans, but I did spend a lot of my childhood there. About I lived there for about like seven, eight years growing up. Did you enjoy New Orleans? What was that like? I loved it. It was beautiful. People are the sweetest, kindest, like, wow. Um, it, it was just such a pleasure. Most of the team that worked with us were locals and they were fabulous, wonderful. What a beautiful experience. Honestly, like such, you know, uh, and we also had the hurricane Ida while we were there. Oh, wow. And 
Yeah, the sense of community that exists in New Orleans, I mean, to be honest, has nothing to do with LA. <laughs> in LA, everybody kind of like, okay, you figure out yourself, Fadji, type of thing. And there is like, no, 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 we'll figure it out together. Do you need this? I have this. Should I take this to your house? I mean, it is mind blowing. Like after two weeks, the coffee shop knew exactly my name, knew exactly <laughs> what kind of coffee I wanted. I was like, what is this? And yeah, there is a sense of, you know, of belonging that's much harder to get in LA for sure. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. So the name of our podcast is called I'm So Obsessed, and I'm wondering... Uh, Marina, what are you currently obsessed with? I'm obsessed with finding new ways to create less waste. For instance, how do I buy things that I love the most food-wise without the wrap, the wrapping, you know? Um, so uh, I try to go to the supermarket and like buy the least amount of things possible. So instead of buying them um, in package, I go to a store that I take my own containers and I fill them with oats or rice or quinoa. So I try, I'm obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with finding all sorts of things with the least amount of plastic, the least amount of waste I could possibly find. I want to also acknowledge that I read that you you co-created a cosmetics brand and is it called um, Am, Am I or Am I? Am I? No, Am I. That's it. That's correct. And and the idea behind this is that these are cosmetics that are natural and sustainable and plastic free. And I will we'll continue talking a little bit more about the show, but I'm curious since we're talking about this part of your life, how did you find yourself with a cosmetics company? And are you still involved with that daily as, as you're working on things like Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion? Well, Amai was born when I moved to LA. Um, I was working constantly in Mexico. And then I fell in love with my husband, my now husband. And, um, and then we decided to get married and he lives here. He's an actor and he, he's based in LA. So eventually we made the choice after I finished up with the projects I had in Mexico that I was going to move here. I found a manager who is an amazing woman who I'm still working with. But of course, things changed. I was booking in Mexico like quite often and and then I moved to LA and there was nothing I didn't know what to do with myself and I was like okay I need to do something one of my very close friends lived here and she was going through postpartum and she had a baby who was only three months so I decided to like spend loads of my time with her helping her because postpartum is a difficult period in the life of a woman it can be very complicated just because this new human being is there and you don't really know what to do and life suddenly changes you know massively and um so I, I spent a lot of time with her and I told her one time I said listen I just I'm, I feel like such a hypocrite because I love trying hair products and all that and 
And one day I looked at my shower and it was kind of covered on plastic bottles and I just felt so wrong. And she was like, well, let's try, you know, solid bars to see which one works. And then we went to one of these very famous stores and then I bought so many stuff and I tried them all and none of them worked on my hair, none. And I was like, this is crazy. And so the search began and we found these women in Mexico who worked with, you know, creating cosmetics. So we spent almost a year doing like trials of the product until we actually launched the, you know, the online store. Um, And it's been going really well ever since. So we do cosmetics in solid, in a solid form. We do shampoo, conditioners, makeup removers, body, you know, body butters, um, baby soaps, baby shampoos, a night cream for your face, uh, all plastic free. They're all wrapped in rice paper, which is edible. We don't recommend uh, for you to eat it, but you know, it could, it's basically compostable. Even the ink that, that we use to print our rice paper is edible. And, uh, and yeah, so the idea is to create products that work really well for your hair and your body and, and also for the environment. Going back to ultraviolet and black scorpion for a second. Um, the show's definitely aimed at like kids and families. Is there a certain age that you think this show would appeal to the most? I feel like, uh, the lead character, she's like a teenager, if I, I get that from the trailer. She's 14, but Black Scorpion is 28. There's a big range there. So the family and the family kind of involves all sorts of ages. And although it's kind of, I feel, directed to teenagers, I think it's a show that, you know, one of those shows that you can sit with a teenager and watch and have a blast as well. And there are jokes for adults within within the show that are kind of like nicely hidden. Uh, so it's for, I would say that it's for the family, for the whole lot is it's, we made sure that it was going to be entertaining for everybody. Uh, growing up, do you remember like a show or a film, books, music that you were really into when you were 14? Well, I remember when I watched Back to the Future, I was like, what is this? I love that. I also... If you remember Alf. Alf, absolutely. Alien life form who eats cats. <laughs> I was very, I was very small, but I remember loving Alf. And I remember getting an Alf that I could use like a puppet. And I, that was, that was me done for a year. I mean, I was like, this is it. Life is beautiful forever. So Alf, and I was that girl that wore, you know, Alf t-shirts and Alf, it just came back to me. I think you and I would have gotten along very well if we knew each other at, at that time. <laughs> what was it? What, what year? That must have been, I don't know the exact year. That was definitely like late 80s, maybe even early 90s. It ran for a while. And it's interesting doing a show where people are constantly talking about their new shows. And it'll, you'll see shows that are far better made, far better written, that don't get picked up for a while. And you're like, you feel so bad. And you're like, well, somehow Alf maintained like dominance <laughs> on like one of four networks at the time. And uh, you got it, but it, you know what? It was a family show. It was funny and very silly, but uh, yeah, I have a feeling ultraviolet black scorpion seems much better quality. No, no offense to people. No offense to you guys. You made my day. It's another part of the show, obviously you, at least at this point, we don't know if it doesn't sound like you are a superhero, but if you in real life could become a superhero, what would your name be? And what powers would you have? If I could be a superhero, I could do something like Gaia. 
and I'm obsessed with the, you know, with uh, sustainability and looking after the environment. So my superpower would be the ability to take out all the plastic out of this world and just just make it disappear, like, and somehow teach every single person about, you know, how harmful plastic is in our environment. So it will be a superpower, like closely related to uh, conservation. Uh, we're gonna do a thing called pick one. I'm gonna give you a couple options um, and you select one of the options. It doesn't mean that the thing you select is better than the other things. And some of them are a little hard. So pick one, Venezuela, London, South Africa, or Mexico City. South Africa. I had the best years of my life because it opened up my world. I was living in Venezuela and I was a little girl, you know, town girl. And suddenly I moved to Swaziland, which now is called Eswatini. And my, my brain just went, I suddenly saw a world that existed out there. And I was like, oh my God, the world is much bigger than I ever expected it to be. Okay. So next one I have for you is pick one theater, film, or TV. Which one would you pick? Theater is like my home, right? That's my home. And it's always good to go back home and it feels nice and safe. And although it's always terrifying, it just feels like home. Um, Movies are like these beautiful spas that you go to and you get massages and, um, you know, and it's just like, they're like vacations. So film is my vacation. I go and I relax and it's beautiful and I learn loads and, you know, I can do whatever I want. There is time to do things. And then TV is a gym. You go and you train. And you train and you become faster and faster and you create muscles and then you you learn how to like resolve much quicker than normal and you so I don't know if that helps. Home, vacation, gym. I read that you also founded and ran a theater company in London. When you ran that theater company and stuff, um, what was that like? What kind of plays did you do? Can you give me a little background on that? Sure. Um, I study acting in London at East 15 Acting School. And my course was um, closely related to contemporary theater. And the whole point of the course was for us to be able to create our own material, which was a huge tool um, in order to, you know, go out there and live a life as an actor. So one of the things that we had to do when we graduated was to create a show within ourselves. I mean, within, within the group. And two friends of mine and I um, created this little group called VIP Theater, out of not actually knowing what else to do. It sounds very snobby, but it wasn't the case at all. It was actually very rough. But, um, and the show was called Caviar and Chips. And it was a comedy with three girls telling a story of this three girls that traveled all the way down to Wrigley, which is a sad town in England, very sad sad town in and we even had a song called Wrigley Wrigley like we used to sing in the show we used to dance and it was it was incredible we made it to Edinburgh uh, theater festival twice and in one occasion we got signed by Time Warner uh, because we were actually the only show the only female comedy show that was on like full-on female so, um, and we got signed for a year and we were on Time Warner's website for a year and we got paid 
what we thought was so much money back then. <laughs> and I think about it, I'm like, oh, we got ripped off. And then I want to tie it up too, because um, obviously uh, Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion is not your first show. You've done a lot of shows as well. Famously, you played the Talia Velasco for three seasons on the Netflix series Paramedicos. Um, when you think back on that character, what comes to mind when you think back on Natalia? Oh my God, imagine I spent five years of my life, five, six years of my life playing her. And not only that, all, all that comes to mind is like a life-changing thing because I met my husband there. What, was your husband on the show? Yeah, he comes like a like this new paramedic Um that is a dermatologist is starting to become a dermatologist. And he comes in one case where one of the kids um, who's being bullied at school gets glued against his uh, table and all of his back gets glued against the chair, you know, nasty stuff that kids do to, to each other. And he comes as, as one of these dermatologist students. And, and then, I mean, my character and his character like they don't really have that much going on because my character has a full on love story with another character, like <laughs> full on. So it would be kind of, but then it was fun to be able to work together and kind of get to know each other within this whole set context. But then what I wanted to tell you was that after season one, I became so obsessed. I clearly, I clearly like that word. I clearly, I say, I clearly you're, you're, relate. You understand our show so well. <laughs> the work that the paramedics, the EMTs do in Mexico City uh, for the Red Cross is remarkable, Patrick. They do it for free, the great majority of them as volunteers. And the fact that they take time within their own lives just to help other people out of kindness, nothing else, is mind-blowing. So when we did some training before season one and then during the whole season, we had one of the main guys there with us, like helping us, you know, solve the cases and telling us what to do. We wanted to be as real and as, you know, truthful as possible. So after we finished filming season one, I was like, I want to study this. I, I want to, I want to become an EMT. And so the director, another actress and me, studied for six months in the Red Cross to become paramedic. So I am a certified EMT. Well, that's the biggest super, you're hiding your superpower. That's the superpower there. <laughs> that's pretty, that's amazing. That's amazing. I would do one more pick one with you. So pick one, being able to fly or being invisible. Being able to fly. Imagine the feeling of freedom, being able to go over like forests and see and fly over the ocean. Can you imagine? We only be able, we're in the ocean, we can only be by the shore or on a little boat, but we can never see the immensity, like really feel the immensity of, we are, we, this is called planet Earth, but really this is planet ocean. The majority is ocean. So yeah, fly for sure. Just to be able to see nature and to, oh, I will be, I'll be, be mind blowing. Uh, thank you so much. It's been so lovely getting to talk with you and I'm very excited about the show and I hope I get to see more of you on screen. Thank you so much, Patrick. I want to thank Marina for chatting with me, and I want to thank you for listening. Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion premieres June 3rd on the Disney Channel and Disney+. Plus. I'm So Obsessed was created by our executive producer, Daniel Ramirez. Our editor and lead producer is Sophia Fox-Sowell, and this episode was produced by Brian Van Gelder. Please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app, 
Follow the show on Twitter at I'm So Obsessed Pod. And until next time, take care. Take care.